Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting over episode 1 of Neon Genesis Evangelion. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. Alright, so where do you begin with something like Neon Genesis Evangelion? It's iconic beyond almost anything else, really. And honestly, uh, I think one of the coolest things about it is that it's taking place in the post-apocalyptic future year of 2015. Gotta say, having lived through the year 2015, um, didn't seem post-apocalyptic at the time, but I don't know, hindsight is 2020. So, as things are starting out, uh, Misato is currently in the process of trying to find Shinji and to be fair like I know the outline of the plot because I've watched Evangelion before but you know it's been it's been a couple years since I watched it you know I think funnily enough the first time I watched it was actually after the horrific future year of 2015 that the show takes place in I want to say I watched it in like 2016 or 2017 or so. Even so, you know, watching this 20 years or more after it was originally produced, from what I recall, it certainly holds up. Of course, some of that is I'm just a sucker for traditional cell animation like this i don't know what it is exactly but i think it just looks nicer i 
Like, I, I can't remember the last bit of recent media that's used cell animation. Like, I understand why computer animation is used. You know, it's it's easier, it's cheaper, whatever. But something's missing. And I don't think I'm being a total Luddite here. But... I, I don't know. There's something that isn't the same, and I think it's ultimately detrimental. So, already at this stage in the episode, there's a fair amount of intrigue. There's this giant monster that's referred to as an angel. And what's more, it's not the first of its kind that this military organization is collectively aware of. In fact, they mentioned that the angels have returned. Beyond that, uh, this woman, Misato, although I don't know that we know her name at this stage, she is uh, risking all sorts of bodily harm to pick up this kid, Shinji. And again, the reasons behind this are currently unknown, but at this stage in the game, it just sort of adds to the mystery of everything. So, the military's deciding to use an N2 mine on this so-called angel. It's not exactly clear what an N2 mine is, but based on... The size of the explosion and everything. One would think that it's probably got to be some kind of nuclear armament or something on a similar scale. Especially considering how it knocked out their communications from its shockwave. Granted, when nukes knock out stuff like that, it's because of an electromagnetic pulse. So maybe it's not nuclear at all, but... You know, I might have just put two and two together here, but maybe N2 stands for non-nuclear. What I know about Evangelion, like, it doesn't seem like using a nuclear weapon would be beyond what they would be willing to do. Alright, so it seems like for all the uh, all the pomp and circumstance about using the N2 mine, it didn't end up destroying the angel. The angel looks to be a little bit worse for wear, like it's sort of like partially melted under the thermal stress of the bomb. But it's still alive and in fairly good shape. So now we get a little insight into Misato here. Like, she's clearly got some sort of important responsibility if she's picking up a kid. But at the same time, she doesn't seem like a really super serious person. 
she just sort of dismisses things by saying, you know, I'm a government agent, so it's okay. Yeah, that just kind of lines up with real life a little too well for my liking. So the way these people are talking about the angel in HQ, it almost seems like they're sort of studying it in addition to trying to combat it. So Shinji here is apparently being brought in at the behest of his father. Although Shinji doesn't really know much about what his father does. The implication being that it's some sort of top secret something or other. So this guy, who I know is Shinji's father, is talking to the top brass... Or what is presumably the top brass, pretty nonchalantly, so... You know, it seems like that assertion about him doing important work is pretty well-founded. So that's an interesting uh, little moment right there. Shinji's father mentions another spare is being delivered, and then the scene immediately cuts to Shinji. Pretty telling, if you ask me. So, notably, Misato is not giving Shinji too many answers to the questions he's asking. Granted, she's not necessarily at liberty to discuss things, but this seems kind of like, um, I guess the standard trope for when a normal civilian is brought into some sort of top secret government military type deal. They ask questions, but don't get any answers. So... Now that Shinji and Misato are in this subterranean fortress, for want of a better term, like, it's so huge and massive that even Misato is having trouble navigating. It seems like this Dr. Akagi really knows what's going on.
So there's a definite familiarity between the two of them. So Ritsuko and Misato are sort of discussing various technobabble relating to a mysterious Unit 1. And in the background there is a uh, a giant hand. Uh, per, per, perhaps it could be Unit 1's hand, it's not entirely clear. So now we're getting our first look at Evangelion Unit 1. And according to Ritsugo, it's a top secret weapon that constitutes mankind's last hope against combating the angels. So Misato sort of mentioned that Shinji's like his father in that he's gruff and unfriendly. And based on the way that Shinji's father and Ritsuko are talking, it seems like he's really doubling down on that gruff and unfriendliness by inviting Shinji over and telling him, you know, get in the robot, fight some angels. So Misato initially seems to be looking out for Shinji's well-being, but she's quickly sort of um, brought into line. So Shinji reacts to this whole thing probably pretty understandably. Suffering from parental abandonment and was called before his father just now so that he can put his life on the line fighting an alien monstrosity. So Shinji's father lays down the ultimatum. If you're going to do it, do it now, and if not, leave. And to be fair, they are fairly short on time, given that the angel is en route to their location. 
Everybody's sort of cornering him and telling him to get inside the robot. So, given that Shinji's not getting in the robot, Shinji's father issues the order to wake up Rei. So, since Shinji can't pilot, Rei has to do it instead. So here we get the first look at Rei. It's a girl, probably about the same age as Shinji, and she's covered in all kinds of bandages. And she was wheeled in on a gurney with an IV. You know, I wonder how much of this was a ploy on Shinji's father's part to get Shinji into the robot, or if he truly intended on having Rei pilot anyways. But even more importantly, this scene right here, where Unit 1 moves without a pilot, notably, it moved to prevent um, a lighting rig from falling on top of Shinji, you know, Wounding him, if not killing him. Very interesting. So notably, Shinji's attending to Rei. And she's very clearly injured and has open wounds. So Shinji... He sort of recites his mantra of I mustn't run away and ultimately resolves to get in the robot. So we've got a sequence where we go through all sorts of technobabble and cool sci-fi stuff. And Shinji's inside the Eva for the first time. Now, interestingly, the entry plug gets filled up with a thing called LCL fluid. And it's it's something that can be breathed. Like, once the lungs fill up with the LCL fluid, it can perform the mass transfer of the oxygen and... You know, you can essentially breathe. Now, interestingly enough, I had looked into this when I first watched Eva because I was curious if something like this could really be done. And while LCL is a, uh, a fictional fluid, um, there are circumstances where you can actually breathe a liquid and maintain sufficient oxygenation to live. 
Like, the circumstances have to be contrived, but it's not something that's outside the realm of possibility. You know, scientifically, I don't think there's any real utility for it. Like, there's no real circumstance where it would be beneficial to just breathing as we do normally, but it's definitely something that's possible. So, th this scene where all the restraints are being removed from the Evangelion, I find it interesting because, for one, it really gives us a sense of scale of the Evangelion because there are these staircases that are people-sized contrasted with the large stature of the Evangelion, but that it has to be restrained in the first place sort of hints at something slightly more nefarious. Especially considering Unit 1 acted without a pilot earlier this episode. So, EVA Unit 1 shoots to the surface by means of an elevator, just in time to confront the angel. Alright, that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.